Sailor Moonies, welcome to the Sailor Moon Fan Club Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria L. Johnson, and I'm here with Roseanne A. Brown, aka Rosie. She's the author of the novel A Song of Wraiths and Ruin, and I'm super excited to talk to her. This novel is like fantasy, it's um young adult, like it's starring black characters. Um yeah, really hype. So happy to have her. Hey Rosie, how you doing? <laughs> hey Victoria, happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy you are here too. This is so exciting. I'm so excited for your book. So this is awesome. Yes, and I'm like a big Sailor Moon fan. So like when I saw your email, I was like, yes, Sailor Moon. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome because like I interviewed um, your literary agent, Caressa, Frisa. Mm-hmm. And um, yes. yeah, and then so she, you know, obviously mentioned that you were a Sailor Moon fan. And like, I've been coming across a lot of authors actually who are Sailor Moon fans. So I'm just like, Every time, I'm just like, yes, another one. <laughs> I feel like it just has such a formative impact on anybody who was like, if you were a kid in like the 90s to the early 2000s, like at some point you came across like Pokemon, Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, at least one of them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Those I've always thought about like, what else could I do if I did like another fan club kind of podcast? And like Pokemon is always up there because it didn't have a huge impact on me as much as other people. But like, I think it's definitely up there, like as far as people love it so much, because like I said, during those formative years in the 90s, like you kind of attached yourself to like different things. Definitely. And especially with Pokemon, like they had Pokemon Go came out 2016. So they had that big resurgence. So right. like, they definitely made themselves relevant again. Yeah. And then I, um, the first Pokemon game I've actually played is um, Pokemon Sun and Moon, mm-hmm. um, which I really liked. And that's really fun. So now I'm like trying to go back and play some of the previous ones. And yeah, it's, it's it's fun. I get all of the allure. And like, of course, I watched the show a little bit too when I was younger. Gosh, I think but, my favorite's Diamond and Pearl. That one's, ooh, that's old school now. Ooh, oh. That was like 2007. But those Generation 4 is always my favorite. Okay. I have to go back and check them one out. I'm about to play them. Um, X and Y. I got X. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah. Maybe Pearl will be next. Ooh. That's good. Good to know. But um, we're talking about another fandom here. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go down the Pokemon rabbit hole. <laughs> so the first question I like to ask everybody is just like, what's your first memory of watching Sailor Moon? Oh, gosh. I think my first memory of watching Sailor Moon is, oh, gosh, I must have been like, either five or six years old and i'm like it used to play during like the afternoon block on cartoon network like y'all remember back when like toonami was on like like wednesday afternoons or something like weekday afternoons and i just remember like bolting from the bus like they've just opened the doors i'm just like flying and i remember i'm like running to our house and like my little sister she's there she's watched she must have been like three if i was like six and she's watching some, like, I don't know, maybe Blue's Clue, some preschool thing. And I remember distinctly shoving her out of the way so I could turn Sailor Moon on. <laughs> like, I was definitely watching it before that to have that memory. But that's, like, the first clear memory where I was just, like, obsessed. Like, Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon. And I think I got in a lot of trouble for that because, like, you shouldn't shove babies. But <laughs> <laughs> in my defense, I was, like, six. And <laughs> I'm just, like, so that's one of my earliest memories, like, first grade. And just, like, after school, it was, like, the highlight, like... The school day's done, running home. It's like 2001 and Sailor Moon is on. Yeah. No, I, I think your other argument is totally that it was Sailor Moon. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. Like, I don't know how. I definitely always had the TV for some reason at Sailor, at like the time Sailor Moon came on. 
Mm-hmm. But I don't remember ever like claiming it. Like I was six years old. I lived in like a house of like with three older brothers and like my mom and my dad. So like I definitely don't know how I managed to pull that off every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's cool. I'm glad you got this even even if you had to shove some babies. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you feel? What were you thinking when you were watching it? Well, I think I was just like at the time it was just so cool. Like mm-hmm. I was real, I was like, it was so cool, and it was like bright colors and like girls like with sparkly outfits, like beating up monsters. Like I definitely wasn't thinking like about a lot of the deeper stuff. Like now that I can look back as an adult and really kind of think about what Sailor Moon means to me, at the time I was just like, this is cool as heck, man. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't say anything stronger than heck. So <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah, I think definitely share that sentiment. Do you remember, did any episodes ever stand out to you? I think, I know one memory that stands out to me is like the movie, the like Dreamland movie, I believe. Oh yeah, I think it's super, so I always used to pronounce it super S and then I've recently found out that it's supers. What? Whoa, I just found that out right now. Wow. Yeah, I just found that out like two weeks ago and it blew my mind. I remember because me and my friend, like she had like a VHS tape of it and like she had to like hunt for this VHS tape because this was back when like. Finding these shows, if it wasn't airing, like, trying to find a place to watch these shows was, like, ridiculously hard. Mm-hmm. And so she somehow got her hands on, like, a VHS tape of it. And so it was, like, at her house. I remember we were just terrified. Like, something about that movie really scared me. It was a little creepy. Like, because it had, like, that Pied Piper kind of thing or yes. Peter Pan-esque to it. Uh, yes. And then, like, the creepy alien dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while since I watched it, actually. I should probably rewatch it. But, Yeah. It was really creepy, from what I remember. It's definitely not, like, a fan favorite. Like, when a lot of people talk about, like, their favorite Sailor Moon, people seem mm-hmm. to kind of, like, just ignore that movie. Because I think it probably wasn't one of the strongest ones. Yeah, I think, too, because a lot of people don't love Mini Moon or Chibi Moon. Mm-hmm. So, and that was, like, very heavy on her character. Mm-hmm. So that also may be why. Mm-hmm. But it was a good movie. I liked it. Yeah, I thought it, I always thought it was good. So, anyway, so... Little Birdie, aka your Twitter, told me that you love Sailor Venus. Yes. <laughs> was she like the scout slash Sinchi you wanted to be while watching? Oh gosh, who did I want to be when I watched? Mm-hmm. I think who I wanted to be, honestly, I think I wanted to be Mars because mm-hmm. Mars is just like, she is just so cool and she takes no shit and like that was great. And no way, I want to be even more than Mars. I want to be Usagi because, like, she's the princess. Like, right. she's the main character. She's, like, the center of their whole world. Like, that was so cool. But, like, Jailer Venus has become my favorite because I reread the whole thing straight through, I think, in high school. Mm-hmm. And so when they did that repackage. Yeah. And so rereading it. And then I also finally managed to read um, Codename Sailor V because it finally came out in English. And watch rereading the whole manga and then also getting to see Sailor V's backstory just really pushed her to the top for me and like I really love like showing how much even in a lot of ways more than almost any of the other senshi besides Usagi like how much she's had to give up for her role and like how much like choosing like her duty as like a sailor scout over choosing her duty as a sailor scout over um her own well-being even like her own sort of like her own like, well-being, sorry, that's the word. Like, how much that has taken from her. And I think through her character, we get to see so much, like, what it actually really, truly means to be a Sailor Scout and, like, what these girls are really going through to, like, pull off this duty. And I just think that is, like, I just love her so much. And I love that she keeps, like, this very kind of bubbly, friendly energy through it all. 
Yeah, I always I think after Sailor Moon, Sailor V is definitely up there for me. Like I love her design completely, and yeah, like what you said, like you she, oh, you know, it started off with her manga, and so she has like this really like large backstory that we get to see. Mm-hmm. And it's just really cool because we don't get that for all of the scouts, and mm-hmm. like you said, like it's really interesting. I like the vibe of it too. I always felt like it was a little detectivey in some ways, mm-hmm. but yeah. That makes a lot of sense, though. I can I can totally see why Sailor Venus is your girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, Mars, I think I've mentioned it a few times. Like, I think there's like a Sailor Scout like you, you are, like you identify with, and then one you kind of like aspire to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's awesome. I love Sailor V. Sailor V's cool. Her glasses are iconic. Oh, yes. The glasses. Oh, yeah. that whole first prototype outfit. That was definitely a look. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think like there was the creator; she was going to originally like kind of give Sailor Moon some of that look, and then ended, but it didn't like translate to like the animation because I guess the glasses were too much to do every time mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I can yeah. see that would look also kind of silly. Like it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think the no masks worked better for the main scouts. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But like also what you mentioned too, like Sailor Venus, like her backstory is like coming back to me now, like. The whole love story part was so sad. Like her having to like give up, or not really give up, but you know, say goodbye to someone she cared about. Yes, I definitely agree. And like, especially because like in the backstory, you really kind of see the you can see like the creator kind of working through her prototype for what she wanted the main series to be. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously, like, what's the policy on spoilers for your show? Hang on, I don't. Oh, we're good. Okay, All spoilers are welcome. It's yes. been like. 30 years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you know how Sailor V kind of starts out? She also has a similar kind of tuxedo mask-like person in her series. Well, but the big twist, it turns out, like, he actually is evil. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's something fascinating. Like, the tuxedo mask, it's been so long. We all know he's obviously, like, her, like, soulmate. Like, it's obvious now that, like, he was, he was never any danger to them. And, like, I think it's kind of easy to forget that, like, when this was being serialized, when it first came out, like the early readers didn't know that. And like, you truly don't know, like, Tuxedo Mask, is he good? Is he bad? Is he like someone they can trust? Is he on their side? Is he not? And so I think reading Sailor V and really getting to see that scenario play out where like this guy she's like in love with actually is the bad guy, so actually is someone she can't trust. I thought that was just such a cool aspect. Yeah, that's a good point. I've actually never thought of it that way because, you know, for most of us on this side, we've watched and read Sailor Moon first and then Sailor V. But like when it first came out, most people probably read Sailor V first and then like watching Sailor Moon, it's like, wait, who's this Tuxedo Mask guy? Is he good? Is he like the other guy? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. I never thought of it from that perspective. Yeah. Oh, I just I love I love I think what I love so much is like about like Sailor Venus herself is like she's so similar to Usagi, but like in the ways they're different are actually very kind of stark and like this idea that like these two girls who can be so similar like they they can almost pass for one another they often do she her role mm-hmm. is the sort of double for the princess yeah. but she's still even while living in Sailor Moon shadow she's still able to create this very sort of like set identity and like place for herself as like the the leader behind Sailor Moon like of course Sailor Moon's like the leader of all the scouts but like when it comes to like the within the inner scouts like Sailor Venus is the next in charge yeah that's the other yeah like you said like they often swap for each other that's some of my favorite scenes too from the um 
animes. Like when Sailor V has to pretend to be Sailor Moon, she has like the shorter hair <laughs> in the pigtails. But yeah, that's also super true. Like I think without like Sailor V seems like the like natural leader. The group like she's like level headed, but she's also like fun, like Usagi. But at the same time, she's just not the, the chosen one, I guess. But yeah, I think she would definitely be a great leader. She and she kind of is too. Like she kind of rallies the troops, like rallies the scouts um, when she comes and kind of like really makes them a team in a way, I think. Because before they were kind of just like together. But I feel like Sailor V kind of completed the group. I mean, she was the last one, but yeah. Definitely. I think the show even kind of hints, and the manga as well, that like, honestly, traditional personality-wise, Sailor V has more of the traditional hero personality mm. that Sailor Moon does. Like, she is, like like you said, the more kind of level-headed one, the leader, the rally, the troops. And so I really love, another thing I love about this um, series is how the creator played around with what we consider, like, what kind of character type gets to be the hero. Mm-hmm. And like, in any other series, Usagi, she'd be the comic relief. Like, she'd be the, like, <laughs> the character who's on the side crying. She's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to fight, blah, 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 blah. And, like, she's would be the only one everyone makes fun of. And they do still make fun of her, even though she's a main character. Like, I love that they are constantly roasting her. But, like, she gets to be the center. She gets to be the one, like, okay, you're kind of not, you're not the smartest. You're definitely not the strongest. You're not the best Taylor Scout. But, like, you are our leader because, like, you are, like, like the kindest. You are the one, like, everyone who can reach out to everyone who can really connect everyone and so i really love that like she took so many different tropes that we're used to and really twisted them in ways that i think are still so cool yeah that is so true because she she would totally be the comic relief in any other show yes (laughs) i'm like thinking of it now and like if you flip it it makes so much sense but yeah i think that's what stood out about the show so much for me is like that same reason like she's you know, clumsy, scared of everything, you know, she cries about fighting monsters and but she still like owns up to it. And it's like, all right, well I guess I just gotta do this though. Like nothing <laughs> I have no other option and this is what I have to do. Uh, especially when like her friends are in danger and stuff. So she she steps up to the plate when she needs to. Exactly. She like she really comes into her own and like the manga cost she really shows like, you know what, like anyone can truly be a hero. And, like, just because you, like, you can recognize your friends are better than you in, like, certain ways. Because, like, they're objectively, the other Sailor Scouts are better than her a lot of ways. And, like, she recognizes this. And, like, instead of becoming, like, a sort of, like, jealousy or thing they fight over, it's, like, her leaning on their strengths. And, of course, them in turn leaning on her natural empathy and kindness. Like, I just, I love that. Right. Yeah, me too. Um, But I want to switch up a little bit. I want to talk about your novel coming up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited about too. It's not only about Sailor Moon here. So tell me about A Song of Wraiths and Ruin. Okay, so A Song of Wraiths and Ruin is my debut YA fantasy novel. It'll be out June 2nd um, from HarperCollins. And so it's set in a world based on West African folklore, and it follows two characters. One of them is a refugee named Malik, and the other is a princess named Karina. And so um, one day Malik's little sister is kidnapped by an evil spirit. And the spirit offers her freedom in exchange for Malik killing the princess. So he decides he's going to enter a comp- competition to marry the princess so that he can get close to her to kill her. However, he doesn't know that the princess, her mother, has recently died. And so there is evil magic she can use to resurrect her mother from the dead. 
But to do it, she's going to need the heart of a king. So she's only hosting this competition so that she can kill the winner and then use his heart to resurrect her mother. So the book follows. It's a dual POV. It's following both of their points of view. And so you're following Karina trying to kill Malik and Malik trying to kill Karina. And neither of them know the other is trying to kill them. And it's about what happens when they finally come into contact with one another. That's amazing. <laughs> so I kind of, I've seen like the, um, like the general descriptions, you know, of the book online, or if they kind of mention it like Romeo and Juliet, but if they have to kill each other. <laughs> but I didn't know about like the fact that like she's trying to resurrect her mom, which is like epic, <laughs> like dark magic. And yeah. Oh, that's going to be really good. <laughs> so happy. I only have to wait a few days to read this. I'm really ex- I, I mean, I like it personally, but I'm very biased. I saw I can't lie. Fair. Um, so how did you come up with the idea for it? So I actually came up to, with the idea in a very weird sort of way. So it was, gosh, this was 2016. I was a junior in college at the time. Um, so mental health and like mental health advocacy is actually super important to me. And it's something that comes up in the book. And I was actually have had been walking from a therapy appointment from the first time and like really going sort of over sort of like what it meant for me and like sort of looking back through like a lot of stuff in my past. And I had I remember having this distinct thought to myself, like, wow, if a ghost tried to possess me now, he'd just get in my head and he'd be like, Ooh, there was like a lot here. I just I don't want this. Ooh, no, I don't like this. And so that's actually how the character of Malik came to me. Like this boy who deals with the supernatural and this this idea that like whoa like what type of boy would be possessed by spirit what type of boy would be so just kind of like just have so much going on in his head that even like the spirits would be like are you okay like there's a lot happening here and just like this sort of idea like people how the supernatural affects people and how people affect the supernatural in turn and so so Malik was the first character and Karina came not long after when I started thinking about this boy and like what he'd gone through to come into contact with spirits and like what type of world would create a character like this. And then a song of Wraiths and Ruin was born. That is cool. I love when like things come together where it's just like one thought you have and then it like blooms into like this whole idea and then it's a novel now. That's cool. And I also saw the map that you created, which like, also made me super excited because I'm like, oh, this is gonna go in. Like, you know, like whenever I see a map connected to any like book or like story, I'm like, okay, like there's been some serious thought put into this. Thank you. The map actually wasn't me. The map was designed by Leo Hardis, who's mm-hmm. this um map maker and illustrator. And we had so much fun with that. Cause there's so many little Easter eggs. Like if you see like there's a little tiny camel near the city entrance, the masks in the four corners. There's lots of monsters scattered out throughout. Like, I really love, like, this isn't just like a, oh, look, fantasy map with words of places you don't know. But, like, it's almost a little sort of story in and of itself. Like, like the illustration itself tells a story, which I really love. Yeah. And it's going to be really fun to kind of, like, reference it as you read. Like, that's what I like doing, especially because I have bad memory. I'm like, wait, what is this? Where is this? And I'm like, let me go look at the map and <laughs> check this out. So, yeah, that's going to be awesome. I'm I'm super excited. So you've been developing these characters for like four years. Um, who would you say would be Malik's favorite Sailor Scout and Karina's favorite Sailor Scout? Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> oh, oh, that's such a good question. So Karina, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> okay. So the thing is, I think honestly, Karina, Karina is a princess. So I feel like on that level, she would like, she was like, she would want to be Sailor Moon because she's the center of attention and like she gets to be a princess <laughs> and Karina, that's what she wants for her life. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, personality wise, she's actually probably closest to Venus. Um, so maybe that's just my Venus bias jumping out. But it just um, it just poured out as you were writing this. Because <laughs> I think she because the thing is, Karina like even though she loves the princess stuff, like I think the big difference between her and Usagi is that like Usagi is just a little too crybaby, crybaby, and a little bit too kind of Usagi kind of has to be dragged into things. Whereas, like, Venus jumps more into it and, like, very much goes for it. Like, is more of a go-getter and that's definitely more up Karina's alley. So even though she'd want to be the princess, she's probably more like Venus personality-wise. Yeah, I don't think I could see Usagi planning to, like, rip out a man's heart. Well, maybe, actually. You know, maybe. I feel like late season (laughs) Usagi would do it because late season Usagi, she has been through some shit. Right. She's like, you know what? (laughs) She's like, if that's what we gotta do, it's what we gotta do. But early season's not. She couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but Malik, ooh, Malik, Hunter, I think Jupiter. Like Jupiter, just kind of like the kinder, the definitely more people-oriented, very sort of like empathetic one, which is fine because Jupiter is also the toughest, and Malik is definitely not the toughest character in the book by a long shot. But personality-wise, I think you really respect that. Like Jupiter is so powerful, but like her biggest strength isn't her physical strength, but the fact that like she is so loyal and she stands up for her friends and like she uses her power for good and like really to help people i think so in that sense malik would really like jupiter yeah that makes sense cool <laughs> i was like is this gonna how hard is this gonna be you know your characters and that was that was fun <laughs> thank you no that was a fun question i've never been asked that one <laughs> <laughs> the sailor moon podcast <laughs> <laughs> and are you interested in other anime do you have any other favorites oh i have so many favorites <laughs> um <laughs> Just yesterday, I was thinking about Oran High School Host Club, which is just a classic. If you've never watched it, please get your life together and watch Oran. Yeah, that show is um, funny. It is. And I'm like, if my shows that like need a second season, it's like number one, two, and three. Like, there's so few shows that like I want more seasons of because oftentimes the sequel season just messes everything up. But Oran needs a sequel. Mm. Um, let's see. Um, this one's a little more obscure than Oran, but um, Nagi no Asukara, um, mm. which basically. It's one of those shows, like, the more you talk about it, like, you can't talk about it without spoiling. But it basically follows, like, this, it takes place off the coast of Japan. And it follows a world where, like, there are certain people who have developed the ability to live underwater. Like, they're not mermaids. Like, they're just normal people, but they can live underwater. So they just do. But then, like, their population is dwindling. So to the point where, like, one generation of them has, like, maybe four kids. So those four kids are sent up to the um, normal land people world, which is just our regular world to go like go to school on land and get to know how land people move and like how they think and um, there's lots of prejudice against the sea people so it follows like what happens to these four kids from the sea when they have to come to the land for school and like how they're changed by the experience and how they change others and that probably sounds really boring but that's because like there's so many like twists and intense stuff that like i can't even actually talk about the biggest plot elements without ruining the entire series Mm -hmm. um and then one more, one more. Right now, I'm really obsessed with My Hero Academia, like mm-hmm. me and half the anime community. But <laughs> I'm just, I love, I love Azuku. He reminds me of Malik a lot because I'm a big fan of more kind of like gentle, softer male protagonists. And I have a very big soft spot for Bakugo. Like I think we see Shonen rivals a lot, but he's a lot different than what we usually see. So I love that. 
Yeah, he's definitely like a complicated person. But I think the thing that makes I love about his character is that he clearly wants to be a hero. And like he's really trying. <laughs> For both of them, I guess you could say that. But with Bakugo, like he clearly like has tendencies that like you would think would make him not want to be a hero. But he's like, no, I want to do good. That's really cool. Yes, exactly. He's trying so hard. He's just trying in the worst way possible. Yeah. (laughs) He's doing so well. Yeah. I really like Todoroki, as many people do. And I love um, Midoriya. He's great. I feel like he really scratched the Zuko itch that a lot of people were feeling. Mm, Yeah. Now Avatar's on Netflix, so like the Zuko (laughs) itch is not being fulfilled by actual Zuko again. Right. I also just really love like characters with backstories. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason why I love Sailor Moon. Like, you give me a flashback episode, I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is this is it. And like, he, I think so far has had the most extensive backstory. Yes. So I think that just like always like pulls me in a little bit. And like, same thing with Midoriya. He like has like we see his like story kind of unfold. Like him be not ha- not having powers and then going to having powers and from his like idol. Mm-hmm. So yeah. The other one he used to um, mention, though, I think I found it. It's Nagi no Asukara. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the way you described it sounds interesting to me because I'm just like, I am all for, like, changing others. Like, you know, we've, mm-hmm. you know, like, got a whole, like, kind of feel good, learn from each other and stuff. But if there are twists and stuff, I'm definitely into. So I, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, yeah so. it's definitely more of like a... It's definitely a lot more character-driven than plot-driven. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, the romantic elements are a big part of it. So it's definitely mm-hmm. one of those, like, it's slow to build up. But, like, if you're willing to wait for it, the payoff and, like, the world-building is so unique. It's something I've never seen, like, in anime before. Mm-hmm. And so it definitely, like, it's definitely a, a show wait for the payoff. Yeah. And it's only 26 episodes. So it's not, it's not too much. That's pretty good. All right. Well, I will check that out. And I will tweet you when I finish it. <laughs> Yes, please do. Especially, honestly, when you scream me when you get to the twist. Like, you'll know what the twist is. Like, when you get there, you'll know. Okay. I'm excited. All right. Um, and what else do you stand? I did see on your website that you love Star Wars. Is there anything else? Oh, gosh. I stand so many things. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. One. Me too. Comics in general, specifically the Bat Family. Um, I'm yes. on a sacred quest to try and write something for DC Comics. So if anyone from DC Comics is listening, I am here. And you can find, like... Yes. Um, I love like I love DC. I love comics so much. I love Marvel as well. Love the Young Avengers. Um, I'm really into Shira. Just ended, so I've been really into Shira these days. I think it's like basically like a perfect show, and I loved every second. Love okay. Shira. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, oh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. I got into it a little bit late. It came out last July, and like everyone was freaking out about it. And then I came in like Christmas. I got a copy. Like, oh my god, Fire Emblem! I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we been you, we been you about Fire Emblem. Yeah. That's how I feel about Animal Crossing. Like, I'm getting it next week, and I feel like everyone's going to be like, yeah, we're... Well, maybe they won't be past it, but they're going to be like, yeah, we're kind of past the excitement stage now. We're just, like, in this now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm scared of Animal Crossing. Like, there are people out there who have, like, put more time in their Animal Crossing villages than, like, they put into their own lives. Yeah. And I'm just like, that is a level of dedication. I'm not sure I'm ready to commit to a simulation game. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you mentioned a lot of cool stuff. I love Star Wars. Star Wars is great. And then you mentioned, oh man, I'm blanking out. You mentioned a few things. Fire. I got caught up in Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I do want to play that too, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who shall, who? Honestly, 
I say a good one to start with. Um, Fire Emblem Three Houses is obviously the big one right now, but my first was actually Awakening. Um, mm, if you okay. have a 3DS, I, I think Awakening is a really good game. The graphics are kind of like, because mm, it came out 2013, so they could be better, mm-hmm. but the story holds up really, really well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I do have a 3DS. Okay. Yeah, I think my friend actually got me a keychain from Fire Emblem Awakening. Well, he got he got two keychains and he just gave me the other one, I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> that it came with of the character I guess he didn't like as much but um so I've always had like this keychain and I'm like I've never played this game but I'm walking around with this keychain <laughs> on my keys but yeah I'll I'll play that and Shiva actually just finished Shiva last night so I'm like fresh on like excitedness for the last season <laughs> how'd you feel about the last season uh I really liked it I love happy endings yeah. um so like that already I'm good and, like, I do feel a little bit like Horde Prime. Like, there were good villain, but it still felt a little... It wasn't as scary to me as, like, Hordak in Season 1 or Shadow Weaver. Does that make sense? But it's still... They were still, like, I think a good formidable foe. Especially since they have, like, the whole tech kind of angle to them. Like, being able to, like, hack a planet was, like, a really interesting concept. But okay. I really love. I mean, I'm a Catadora fan, Catradora fan, and uh, <laughs> I didn't think it was gonna. Ha- oh wait, ooh, I don't want. Oh, I don't want to spoil. Oh no, I can, I can put it in the captions. You know, <laughs> so watch. spoilers here. Just spoilers for every media except Sailor Moon. <laughs> right? Yeah. Spoiler alert for everything. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'll say if people haven't watched it yet, I feel like the ending gave me exactly what I wanted, mm-hmm. and I feel like. If you watch like season one, then suddenly season five, it feels a lot like a different sort of show. But like, in in a lot of ways, emotionally, I feel like it was what the show was, was always about. And so I'm glad they went that direction instead of like the more big action drama that the direction they could have taken. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think like those small intimate moments mean so much, and it was still hilarious. Like I love Scorpia. Um, I love Entrapta. Like <laughs> those were like my faves. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Who's your favorite princess? Oh gosh, I think honestly, I'm probably gonna say Mermista. I really, yeah. she doesn't get as much focus as some others because she's honestly probably the most stable of the whole crew. But <laughs> she, I just really, I think she's just so cool. Like I, I love that she's cool, she's collected, but she also has her moments of kind of like levity and her moments where she shows like she's not as above the like wacky hijinks as she likes to act like she is. Yeah, that whole like detective noir episode was amazing. Like, she just goes full in murder mystery mode. <laughs> I really love because she gives me Daria vibes too sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I love Daria. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really, Mermista's up there for me too, for sure. Yes, I love that trope where like the sarcastic cool character shows like they're actually just as like goofy as everyone else, but they like they try to hide it so they look cool. I love that. Yeah, same. And yeah. um, was her Sebastian? Is that her? Um, on again, off again. <laughs> oh, Seahawk. Oh, gosh. Why did I get Sebastian from? <laughs> yeah. I love him, too. He's so funny in his burning of ships. <laughs> so who was your favorite princess? Oh, um, I really loved Entrapta. I thought she was just, like, really funny and kind-hearted and, like, her idea of, like, not really being able to, like, connect with people. Like, that struggle I thought was really interesting and just, like, yeah, it was just, I felt for her a lot. But I, so I really like Entrapta. I really love Scorpia, as I mentioned. Like, 
she's like she's like the biggest heart ever and like so funny and so cool and like badass like especially like when she was in like the dress and she's singing i'm like okay scorpio like <laughs> you are you are on it and then and i also love marista too so yeah i think a little bit of all the princesses but those are my top three for sure yes and honestly too i think it's another show that just shows like how strong the Sailor Moon influence has been on, like, Western media, like, even yeah. now. Yeah, that's actually why, well, part of the reason why I started watching, because I was a fan of, like, the original 80s show, but also because I kept hearing how much, like, Sailor Moon influence was in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, it's funny, because the creator, I think she's not as much of a Sailor Moon fan, but, like, the people she, like, other people who worked on the show were Sailor Moon fans, so they were just like, let's throw this in, let's throw this in, and transformation sequences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What part did you notice that was like, this is directly influenced from Sailor Moon? Or like, this reminds me of Sailor Moon? Well, the transformations are the obvious ones. Um, mm-hmm. Because I feel like, honestly, at this point, any like piece of media that, even though Sailor Moon's not the first one to do it ever, it's so, like, has become the default example of a character transforming into their alternate self. Mm-hmm. That, like, that always pays homage to Sailor Moon. But I think even more than that, I think the idea of, like, showing, like, creating the sort of, like, a team of people, like a team of specialists, where um they can honestly kick a lot of ass, but like in the end, their strongest feat is not the fact that they can kick a lot of ass, but like the fact that they are like kind and empathetic, and that they can reach out to people, and that they lose like love is like their strongest power. I think that more than anything is what rings so true to the true meaning of Sailor Moon to me, because like the thing about Sailor Moon, like she can kick her ass, and she will kick her ass if she has to. But, like, she's just as likely to, like, reach out to someone as she is to, like, try and beat them up, you know? And I think that's the real spirit of what Sailor Moon's really about. By protecting people, by reaching out and forming connections. And I think she gets that so well. Yeah, I like that you call them specialists, because that's really what it is. Like, they each have a specialty in, like, their respective, you know, powers, like water, ice, or, you know, Sailor Moon, like, thunder. and Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. And do you have any advice for anyone else writing, like, debut novel or trying to, like, world build? I think my biggest advice definitely is definitely, like, don't be afraid to draw on what you, like, love instead of writing what you feel like you have to be writing. Because um, Song of Race and Ruin is actually the first book I ever wrote, like, ever. Because before that, I attempted to write books a couple times, but every time I was honestly trying to, like, write, like, what's big right now? What type of book do like people want to see? What type of book do agents want to see? And every time at like the 25,000 word mark, I would just get so bored. I couldn't do it. And to put in perspective, A Song Race Ruin is like 120,000 words. So like, that's like the start of the book I used to get bored. And then when I came to this book, the big difference was like, I really let myself put in lots of stuff I love. Like I put in like the court intrigue, the backstabbing, like the African elements because like my family's from Ghana like that was so important to me and I was I honestly wasn't even thinking of publication when I came up with the idea because I was just so like engrossed in creating the story that I loved so much I truly believe like no writing is ever wasted writing even if it's not necessarily the story that gets you to the next stage of your career you'd like to go to but if you learn something about like craft and you learn something about how to put together a narrative more strongly like you got something from that and so I definitely think, like, for, like, unagented or still aspiring, like, writers, like, really hone in on focusing your craft and, like, 
putting what you love on the page because that's going to come through way more than like trying to follow any trends or like trying to guess what the market wants because honestly the market wants if people knew exactly what the market wanted like there would be a lot more like number one new york times bestsellers than there are like that's all i'll just say that yeah i think that makes a lot of sense i feel like people always want something familiar but also something new at the same time so it's like you might as well try out whichever one you want to do <laughs> like a lot of times it's like oh, i want to read something like what i just read or it's like oh, actually i'm kind of tired of that i want to read something different and you just never know exactly like trying to guess what people want is going to make you miserable because the people don't know what they want right like i caught myself in that i don't know what i want so it's like me neither just do what you want right just let me give me a field of options (laughs) yeah that makes a lot of sense um and also like so you said this is like one hundred and twenty thousand words and this is also just part one (laughs) yep (laughs) so this is gonna be a two-part series if i'm right yes okay um so we're getting another hundred and twenty thousand words most likely she looks like it (laughs) (laughs) that is daunting but that is amazing also i'm sure you can do it Hmm? if it helps like 120,000 words the book itself is about 470 pages so it's not like a 500 plus page like Mm -hmm. brick like just barely i'm only like like 20 30 pages away from 500 pages so it's long but it's not like we're not talking like lord of the rings long right yeah it's harry potter books towards the end <laughs> yes <it's>, oh, <laughs> yeah those are heavy <laughs> and then so just like sailor moon at the end of the original dub version she had the sailor moon says phrase at the end of every episode yes what would your phrase be so rosie says or sailor rosie says Ooh. yeah well, my handle is Rosie's Rambles. Like, that's my thing. So it'll be mm-hmm. Rosie's Ramble, probably. Rosie Ramble today. Oh, man. What would my ramble today be? It would mm-hmm. be like, honestly, uh, wear sunscreen. That's a big one. Don't send that text you know you shouldn't be sending. That's another big one. People are out here in their feelings because there's quarantine. Do not send that text. Um, okay. If you're looking for a sign, this is that sign. Don't send it. <laughs> and... Uh, um, and Honestly, just keep on, like, reach out to people. If you need help, reach out. And, like, everyone is just doing their best right now. And, like, do what it makes. Like, you got to do what you can to get to the next day. Like, even if it's not necessarily the most productive way. Like, just if it gets you to the next day in one piece, then go ahead. And doesn't hurt yourself or anyone else. But, yeah. I'm sorry, that wasn't catchy. <laughs> no, those are good. I think that, that kind of captures the essence of it. Like, life advice. Like, here's a PSA for you. Like... Don't send that text. <laughs> don't, don't, don't send it. Like, don't I'm snatching your PSA. Like, even, like, just don't send it. It's never, it seems like a good idea because, like, everyone's sad and scared, but it's never, it's never worth it. It's never worth it. Yeah, I completely agree. There's never been a time where I'm just like, that was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> just, this has never happened. <laughs> That's not a decision I regret. <laughs> so, Every time. Yeah. Um, and what's next for you where can people find you so what's next for me is i um right now working on rates two which is definitely a process and i do have some other things in the work that i can't quite talk about yet but um if you want to like be the first to hear about that when like the news really gets to come out you can find me on 
Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Rosie's Ramble. So that's Rosie, R-O-S-I-E-S, and then Rambles. It's all one word. And my other things I'm working on, it's like, it's actually a lot more Sailor Moon-esque than Rates because it also features a very strong team dynamic. Like, Rates is very centered on just two protagonists and, like, them, but, like, the other project is very much a team sort of world thing. And so that kind of aspect of, like, a bunch of different misfits coming together to become stronger than they are apart, that's definitely an element that plays into it. Cool. And, yeah, when, when, tell me more about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to balance because I'm also trying not to get into trouble because like, okay. these rules are strict. But like, it's it. definitely there's a team element. There's a lot more monsters, monster fighting. I guess I can say it is. Rates is a second world, so it's like a completely world separate from ours, like in the strong sense of like Lord of the Rings, where it's just like a whole new world system. All this, but this one is more contemporary fantasy, like Harry Potter, like our world but with magic. So got it. That sounds really cool. I'm gonna look out for that one. That's exciting. Yeah, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me. I love it. Yeah, this was really fun. I'm happy. I don't think we've had like some, well, I think we have had a Sarah Venus fan, but I think this was a little, it's a heavy Sarah Venus episode for the Sailor Moon, the Sailor V fans out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like she gets a bad rap because I feel like people who don't understand her just see her like, what function does she play besides Usagi? Like, mm-hmm. like they're very, very similar, like on a surface level. So they're like, what dish role does she play that Usagi doesn't already play? But like, it's the ways they're different that are so subtle, but just such a big difference with them. I could honestly just talk for another like hour about just Venus. <laughs> you can come back on the show anytime, especially after you release this team contemporary fantasy magic novel that I am already like going to add to my Goodreads, even though I can't right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and congratulations. I'm super excited for your book. And thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you all. And like, yes, please, if you do read the book, please, like, this is you as in the audience, you general, please feel free to like, send me messages. I love hearing from like readers and stuff. And like, honestly, if you just want to like, tweet at me about your own anime opinions, I'm always happy to talk anime. Yeah. And also the cover is amazing for the songs, the song of Rates and Ruin. So just get it for that, honestly, guys. Like, the cover is so good. It is. They did such a good job. And I was just like, oh, it's so pretty. <laughs> I'm not very artistically, like, minded. So I was just like, it's shiny. Yes. No, it's definitely on my Pinterest board for, like, amazing Black people. So <laughs> Yes. Just, Love like, that. inspiration. Because it's just so royal and, like, regal and pretty. And, yeah. In that way, I think it is also very Sailor Mooney, like the whole, like, just for the aesthetic. Like, Oh, yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah, it has, like, the, the Millennium... Oh, man, I'm blanking out. But, like, the, the Silver Millennium-esque, like, feeling to it a little bit. Yes. Yeah, I could see that. She could totally, like, blend in with, like, that era. Honestly, I think she'd love that. Like, I really think Karina, like, her dream would just be to be, like, a space princess being waited on hand and foot. That sounds amazing. That's pretty good. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> Space Princess. I love it. Yeah. But once again, you can find me. I'm Victoria. You can find me at Miss Old School on Instagram and Twitter. That's Old School with a K. And then you can find the podcast at Mooney's Club on Twitter and Mooney's Undergrowth Club on Instagram. And thanks for listening. Thank you for having me. Yeah.